Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of the WIC Alumni Podcast, a show where we bring in alumni to speak on interesting tech spaces. My name is Ishika, and I'll be your host as we invite our amazing alumna, Constance, um, who will be speaking on what it's like to work in the tech industry and navigating the tech world as a woman. Hi, Constance, and welcome to the show. Um, why don't we start with an introduction? So I'm a, a software engineer at LinkedIn, specifically on the search engine optimization team and guest experience team. So um, search engine optimization, also known as SEO, is basically um, focuses on getting website pages to rank highly in search engines like Google um, and Bing. So the fact that something comes up when you search for like software engineering jobs and then there's a result Um, there's actually a lot of effort that goes into like being the top result there. So our team focuses on that. And then, um, we own sort of the whole, uh, logged out LinkedIn experience. So when you're logged out and looking at a job or a profile or something like that, that's also, um, what, what my team works on. So on that team, I'm a full stack engineer. So I do, uh, end, um, front end, um, I sort of learned the front end on the job, which is, which was really fun. Um, did you always know? Um, that you wanted to work in technology or have you considered something something else? Yeah, I definitely did not know. I had never heard of uh, computer science uh, before coming to Cornell. Um, I actually started as a chemistry major in arts and science and pretty quickly realized that I didn't want to, didn't really want to go into research or pre-med. So I uh, switched to mechanical engineering and I did mechanical engineering for a while, and I actually didn't end up declaring my CS major until uh, halfway through my junior year, which I definitely don't recommend because I was taking a lot of classes like um, my junior or senior years to sort of make sure I graduated on time. Um, but I, the switch sort of happened because I was influenced by by some of my friends. I was um, I had a couple friends who were in CS classes and just I, I got to see sort of the problems they were working on, um, their homework assignments and that kind of stuff. And I just thought that that was really cool. And I knew that that's something I wanted to do. So um, I started taking CS classes and I found them super challenging um, in a very good way. And um, I, I saw that the major had like a lot of um, awesome job opportunities. Um, I really liked the fact that it blended like um, being very logical um, and like a lot of um, mathematical foundations with the fact that you could also be creative in your solutions and sort of um, this this problem aspect. So there were just a lot of things that appealed to me. Um, and so that, that ended up being, yeah, sort of a late transition, but I'm very glad I did it. Wow. I think that's, that's an incredible journey. I think oftentimes you come across people who have known that they wanted to do tech since they were in elementary school. And so it's always really interesting to hear from someone who sort of came across tech unexpectedly. Um, And so for for our next question, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel like you've grown um, in your career? When I first started off in my job, I think um, I had this mentality where I couldn't really contribute in meetings as much as I wanted to, or I would be sitting in meetings. And I think this is also something a lot of people have had similar experiences with, but sitting in meetings and um, all these senior people are like throwing ideas around and I have an idea, but I sort of second guess myself where I'm like, Hmm, 
like, I'm sure they've already probably thought of this, or, you know, I'm sure this is like not constructive. Um, and so not voicing that idea, which ends up just, it's not true. Just because someone's more senior than you doesn't mean that they've thought of everything you're going to think of. Um, and so I actually had, uh, I talked to someone who sort of framed, helped me like walk away or yeah, walk away from that sort of thinking where they were saying, you shouldn't think about how you're going to be perceived or sort of what the impact is on you. So if I say this, am I going to look stupid? Are they going to be like, you know, we've already thought of that. Why are you bringing this up? But sort of think about how can I contribute to the team? So it's sort of a me mentality moving to like a group mentality. How can I, um, you know, if I say this, will it help the team? Will it, um, if I don't say it, what's the cost of the team? That kind of stuff. So that, that was something that was um, a learning I had early on and, and was really helpful in, in sort of helping me find my voice. Yeah. Um, going off of that, um, I feel like something that, that a lot of us struggle with is sort of, um, when you're, when you're moving from like a smaller, I guess, platform to a larger one, like for example, from high school to college, just building up that confidence, um, to be able to speak and contribute your, your ideas. Um, how, how did you build up that confidence? I think one part of it is finding, um, mentors and allies within the company. So I, um, I actively like see, seeked out people who weren't on my team because I think sometimes having, um, an extra, someone outside of your team sort of helping you mentor. So I had a mentor who sort of, um, helped me, helped coach me through certain things. So I think that's, that's one very helpful thing to just have basically, you know, you don't have to figure it out all on your own. You can ask someone who is more senior and have them sort of guide you through the process. Um, and then, the other thing is sort of taking risks. I think that's how I ended up doing a lot of it. Basically, um, there were a lot of things where I was like, hmm, I don't know, this is, I don't know if I can do this or um, like, do you, should, am I competent, am I able to lead this project? So I just, whenever something sort of scared me a bit or whenever I was like, hmm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about this, that was sort of an indication to me to try it. Um, and of course it's uncomfortable at first and you're going to fail and things like that, but um, I think it's just the absolute best way to learn and to sort of um, get over whatever whatever's sort of holding you back. Basically, when I joined the team, um, there was the profile page, which is um, sort of your LinkedIn profile, but the one the one you see when you're logged out. So it's a very important part of LinkedIn. And that page, um, sort of the owners of that page were sort of transitioning off of it. And I um, basically got thrown in the deep end and they were like, you're going to now own this page. Um, which was a little bit stressful because that page gets six or no three thousand views a second, which is a lot of views. So if you um, mess up, like that's a lot of people impacted very quickly. Um, so there was just a lot of um, there's a lot of learnings that came out of there. I sort of grew into that role and and sort of owned it for for a year, um, a year and a half actually. Um, and then reached a point where, you know, I was sort of the point person where everyone was messaging me for questions. I was reviewing all the code for that page. I was um, sort of leading all the um, leading or consulting for all the projects that touched that page. So it was a super big responsibility. Um, so that was that was a success, I think. And I got to do that, you know, just two years out of college. I was I was sort of doing that. I wanted to go back to something you said um, earlier. So you were talking about how important it is to take risks and um to not be afraid of failure. Um, and on, on that note of failure, I think for a lot of students coming to Cornell, 
it's, it's the first time they experience failure. They've done so well in high school. It's the first time maybe they failed a prelim or, or haven't gotten accepted in a club or something like that. And so I was wondering, what are some of the failures that you've experienced? No, I, I would say that I think um, when you're at Cornell, a lot of things seem really like the end of the world or like a really big deal. I remember like, like the fact that you hand your resume to Google at career fair is not going to like make or break whether you get a job at Google and maybe you don't get your first job at Google, but maybe you end up at Google like five years down the line. So I just think that there's, there's many paths to, to things. And I think things have a, a way of sort of working themselves out. I actually remember, I think I handed my resume to LinkedIn at career fair and I didn't get a call back and now I'm working at LinkedIn, um, you know, full time. So things, things will sort of, yeah, things will all work out. <laughs> yeah. I think at work, there's been some of the, well, I guess my mindset around failure is it's a good thing, which I know is very easy to say and, and much, much harder to, um, to sort of internalize, but it, it ultimately is a good thing. It's a learning experience. Um, and it means, you know, hopefully if you learn from it and you sort of reflect, you won't, you won't make that mistake again. Um, and everyone fails. And I think that sometimes something I think I sort of felt at Cornell specifically was that sometimes it felt like um, no one failed <laughs> or I sometimes felt that everyone was like, oh, that exam, like you'd take a prelim and everyone would be like, oh, that was so easy. And then it turns out that everyone who said it was easy was actually getting like, you know, below average. And so sometimes I think that, um, you know, you should have, you should, well, first of all, when people say things are easy and things like that, you should always take it with a grain of salt um, and sort of not not always um, compare yourself. Um, and so I think one way to sort of, one way I've sort of had to de dealt with failure is to sort of, yeah, one, one aspect is not comparing myself to others and sort of um, coming to terms that I, I'm not necessarily going to be the best at something. What sort of matters to me is how, how much I'm growing, um, how much I'm learning, how much I feel like I'm, you know, I'm advancing and sort of that's, that's sort of my, my compass. Um, so that's one important thing, because I think that if you do compare yourself, there's always going to be someone who's better, someone who's the best. And so it can be very um, sort of hard and demoralizing. That's one aspect. Um, in terms of some of the failures I had, I think one of the ones that um, I distinctly remember when I started was I, this is the first project I ever led, but I was leading an engineer. I was leading one other engineer and the engineer wasn't performing super well and was sort of um, delivering um, code that wasn't great and just sort of having troubles, trouble. And I sort of shied away from confronting him or, you know, I basically ended up sort of picking up his slack um, and, you know, rewriting some of the code and sort of uh, some of the tickets that were slipping, just like putting them on my plate. And it was just not... Um, not a very good situation to be in because it ended up being that I was burning myself out and my manager didn't really have any idea what was going on. Um, and the project, you know, slipped, but there was just sort of no, no visibility there. Um, and so that was, that was a pretty important learning where it, it's, I think it's always better to communicate. Um, I think there's something that's very important in industry. Basically, I've sort of found that any bad situation can be avoided if you communicate early enough. Um, so basically if you're working on a project and it's going to be late, um, telling, telling your manager that the project is going to be late two days before is very bad. But if you know that the project is going to be late three months before saying that then, instead of trying to pick up the slack and, um, you know, go try and working crazy hard to meet that deadline. Um, I think 
And of course, sometimes you have to work hard. And, but in that case, it's, it's not necessarily on you to sort of pick everything up. Sometimes if the project is a super high priority and you know it's going to be late, you tell your manager and your manager is able to put more resources on, um, on the project. Or, you know, there are ways to sort of work around problems. But I think that sometimes, I think that my mentality out of school was like, oh, I need to, I need to solve everything myself and it's just me. And I'm, you know, it's a reflection on me if this, if this doesn't work. And that's not true. There's um, so many factors and you're never alone. And I think um, getting comfortable communicating good things, bad things, bad things, especially, um, and getting comfortable, like asking questions, asking for help, I think is um, something that's, that will be super valuable. I think that's really great advice. Um, like you said, communication is always very important. And, and a failure now doesn't necessarily bar you from, from that opportunity in the future. Okay, is it okay if we switch gears a little bit then? Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll go a little bit more to what your experience has been like as a woman in tech. And so I guess maybe we can start with more of like a general question. Um, so what has your experience as a woman in tech been like? And what have been some of some of the biggest hurdles um, as a woman? I feel like I've had a really awesome and super supportive team. And I've actually had a team that I think is much more diverse than most teams. Um, so on my team over, I want to say like nearly 50% of us are actually female. Um, and my manager is a woman. So in that regards, I think I've been very lucky sort of in the in the um, situation, I've the, the team I ended up on. Um, obviously I've been the only woman in a room many, many, many times. Um, I've had, um, yeah, so, and I've had people interrupt me. I've had people, um, assume that I, I'm not the one who is leading the project just because I'm a woman. Like there's sometimes things like that happen. Um, but I think overall, overall it's felt pretty minimal. I think, um, I think I've had I've had conversations with people on my team around being, or our team has had conversations sort of about around allyship. And I think one of the most um, helpful things has been to have um, to sort of bring men on our team on board to, or just make them aware of certain issues that women are uh, facing. So when you get interrupted in a meeting, for instance, it sometimes can be pretty uncomfortable to be like, "Hey, let me finish." I mean, you can do that, but it's an even easier way to do that is to have um, sort of a male ally be like, oh, um, Constance was just, you know, I'd love to finish hearing Constance's point, which comes across as like less, sort of less aggressive. Um, so I think that my experience there has been has been sort of a lot of um, leveraging male allyship a lot to sort of um, make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm not facing barriers. Along those lines, then, how do you start um, these conversations um, and, and to ask uh, for them to be allies? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a very organic um, relationship. It's not, and this is something I also think about mentorship. This is a sort of a side tangent, but mentorship, I think, should be very organic. Like, I, I think sometimes people think, oh, I need a mentor. I'm just going to ask someone to be mm-hmm. my mentor. I think... I've never asked someone to be my mentor. I've had lunch with someone and then we've gotten along and we've been on the same wavelength. And then that sort of gradually progressed into like me bringing my problems to that person. So I think that's sort of a same, along the same frame, like along the same um, vein, 
for, I think the men that have been my allies have been the men that have actually started like noticing things or asking me about, oh, you went to Grace Hopper. Like, I'd love to, to know sort of what, you know, what topics there are. And so it's been the men that have sort of um, been sort of come forward, I guess, or already, already been expressed interest in that. And then also sort of knowledge sharing on the team. Um, so like when I did go to Grace Hopper, like doing a, doing a, like a knowledge sharing session where I sort of explained some of the topics that were discussed and um, some of the things that were, that were on our minds and things like that. Okay, so zooming out a little bit, um, is there anything that you would like to see changed in the tech industry? I think that there is this certain vision of what it means to be successful, which I think, so for instance, at LinkedIn, in order to be promoted, um, there, there's basically a checklist of things that you have to sort of achieve. Um, you know, you have to have influenced some external team. So there, there's like, there's a, there's a list of things. And I think that these, I think it ends up sort of pigeonholing people a little bit because I think that we're all very diverse and we all have very unique skill sets. Um, and I think that sometimes it's expected that you behave in sort of this one, um, like typical model or you, you know, you have this typical skill set. And I think that that's not, that's just not true because we're just so different. Um, and so I wish that there was just sometimes a little bit more room to um, play to people's strengths. Um, you know, so you don't all, if you're, if you are maybe like, let's say introverted, uh, but you're really good at executing, maybe you don't have to be the one who's like leading the meetings, but you can be the one who like, um, so I just think that there's, there's, there's room there to sort of make sure that people's strengths are, are sort of not necessarily catered to you. It's good also to have growth, but just that you're not sort of expected to be this one size fits all in order to get promoted, in order to be successful in your job. Um, and I think and this is something that sort of crossed my mind when I was reading Quiet. Um, I don't know. It, Quiet, I think the the, novel, the book is called Quiet, The Power of Introverts or something. But it's basically a whole book about how in our society and, you know, industry, it's often sort of considered that if you're an extrovert and, you know, it's always the person who's sort of loudest and like has the most ideas that is like the person that's most successful, but it's not true. There's just, you can be an introvert and just, you know, bring a lot of value to the company, to your team. I think that's such an interesting point that oftentimes what constitutes as success is already defined for us. And so I wanted to ask you, how do you define success for yourself? I think success is, um, for me, it's learning. So uh, this is sort of a personal success is the fact that I'm, or I guess it's like sort of success is sort of an ongoing definition, but I think in order for it to be true, I need to be in a position where I'm, I feel like I'm learning a lot and challenging myself. And then the other thing that's important to me is having um, sort of large scale impact, um, tangible impact on, on, and on others and on helping when helping others. So that's sort of one of the reasons I chose to join LinkedIn because the mission um, really resonated with me because I think, I mean, LinkedIn's mission is to connect every member of the global workforce to like their ideal job. So at a high level, like in theory, that sounds great. You'll find anyone who wants a job to the perfect job for them. Um, and so that was something that was super important to me was, um, to be working on 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 such a mission, and that's I think um, if I can keep doing that, keep learning, and and end up you know touching a lot of people's um, lives in positive ways, then um, that's success. That's a really wonderful definition of success, and I think we can all really learn from that. 
Um, and so that leads us to our final question. Um, I wanted to ask you, if you could give advice to your younger self um, when you were just starting your career, what advice would you give yourself? Back when I was first starting my career, I think um, hmm. well, there's actually okay, so there's two. The first one I think, well, this is not when I was starting my career, but this was some something when I was at Cornell that I would tell myself is it took me sort of a while to switch to CS. And part of it was the fact that I didn't know um, what CS was about. But also part of it was that once I did know what CS was about, I had sort of these, this doubt where I was like, oh, but it's, you know, it's already been like two years and like, I'm so behind. Um, and meanwhile, there were like, I was talking to people who were like, yeah, I've been coding with my dad since I was three. And I was like, hmm, okay. So like, doesn't seem like I should be switching because that's, it's going to be so hard to catch up. Um, and it ended up not being the case. I mean, it was hard, of course, but it, I just wish that I hadn't sort of let myself artificially, like, let my thoughts artificially limit me. Because if I hadn't had these sort of doubts, I would have probably switched earlier. And um, so that's that's sort of one thing to just, I, I believe that everyone can do anything. And I never think it's too late. I think that everyone's capable of, like, which I know sounds a little bit cheesy. But, you know, I think that sometimes you are your biggest um, sort of obstacle. That's one thing. Um, and then I think the other is if you ask, if you ever ask someone for help, you should make it as easy as possible for that person to, to help you. So if you're, for instance, asking for an introduction to someone, um, you know, instead of just saying like, Hey, can you like, you know, I would love to talk to Sally. Can you like introduce me to Sally? Be like, Hey, I would love for you to introduce me to Sally. And here's like a paragraph about, you know, that you can, you can send to Sally about like why I want to talk to her and that kind of stuff. So it's just sort of this concept to sort of, um, I don't know, does that make sense? Basically, try try your best to, um, you know, when you're asking someone for help or advice that that's a service they're doing you, and they're much more likely to do it if you put in your effort by like, you know, exactly sending a paragraph that they can just easily forward instead of them having to sit down and be like, okay, what do I write? Um, and this is advice that someone gave me very early on. It's a little random, but I think it's been very, it's come up a lot and it's been very, very helpful. Thank you, Constance, for all of your very helpful advice and for joining us on the show today. Um, and a big thank you to all of our listeners as well. Stay tuned for the next episode.